there's so much growth that can happen no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your life. You don't have to be cemented to one path. As long as you open yourself up to the world of possibility, you can be as transformative as you want to be in your own life. What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. Make sure you're subscribed so you can hear more from awesome leaders around the world on the effect that leadership has on the employee experience. We have been brought up to stick to one career path, climb the ladder. But in the current environment, we no longer have to abide by those structures, and neither should those around you. My guest today is Angelica Potlan, who is the proud daughter of a single mother and first-generation college graduate, making waves since day one by overcoming obstacles and breaking down barriers. Angelica brings her non-traditional background as a former 911 dispatcher, love of people, and drive for change to the HR space for a better future of work and HR. So get ready to make waves, and let's dive on in. I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest, Angelica Patlan. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. It is the weekend, uh, enjoying the sun. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to to get to talk to you. Every every conversation we have is is fantastic. So I'm excited as well. Well, let me just start off with a word of praise from Ricklin Woods, who shared with me that Angelica is a courageous leader who stands up for what she believes in and puts people first by putting the human back in human resources. She strives to foster a positive human experience in the workplace and not simply on employee experience. She leads with humility and grace and creates a safe space for people to acknowledge and honor their individual lived experiences without judgment. So just for those of you who are listening to give you an idea of who Angelica is from Ricklin Woods, uh, that's what you're, that's the type of person Angelica is. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Ricklin, if you're listening. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I mean, I feel like we get to talk a lot, especially from, clubhouse, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you know, what's what's really inspired you in this last week? What's inspired me is people being willing to come together and just listen and be. Sometimes in times of strife or in times of uncertainty, there is this feeling of what can we do? What do we do? I don't know what to do. But what has inspired me this week is seeing people from every inch of the earth, whether it's in the Bay Area or the East Coast, come together in community and really just talk to each other to make efforts to try to better society and help each other through a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely, um, you know, uh, at this point of recording, we're, we're dealing with a lot of uh, you know, just issues, especially around the Asian American Pacific Islander, uh, hate crimes really being raised, uh, really talking about that. Um, it's currently Black History Month. So that's always a, you know, that can be a difficult conversation for some people um, to learn and, and really focus on the injustice that we have in our system. So um, it's been a very heavy month, but it's been a, a really good one because I think it's allowing a lot of us to come to terms with you know, the injustices in our system. So it's been, fan- it's been a great, honest conversation that we've had this month. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Yeah. So 
as we dive into it, what does it mean to you to lead people first? Yeah, we hear this expression a lot. And for me, being people first means embracing the whole human and all humans. And sometimes I feel we say people first, but we really have to think about, are we including everyone in that? And for me, people first means embracing all people for who they are as humans. And that means on many different levels, whether it's emotional, mental, spiritual, to be people first means that we are putting the human and humanity back into the workplace and especially into HR. Yeah. You know, you call out, it's not just the whole person themselves, but everyone that needs to be included in the conversation. Um, very often it, we forget to include people. And I mean, personally that hits on my own, like that resonates with me because that's my top strength and the strengths finder is includer. So mm-hmm. um, having that inclusive mindset is very important. And looking at your career, you've always been interested in people and what makes them tick. You know, you studied anthropology in school, uh, got your master's in, in HR, uh, and then also spent some time um, as a police dispatcher to now being a HR coordinator. How did you end up coming to this notion of leading people first? Like, how did you, uh, it, it's a very like, you know, your career has been, it seems like it's been all over the place, but the thing that's tied it together has been people. But how did you come to that notion of bringing humanity back to the workplace? Sure. So I think it really started in college, to be honest. I was an RA in a residence hall that pretty much hated residence life. They had a very poor experience. And so walking into that residence hall on the first day was nerve wracking. I remember feeling like, how am I going to have these people trust me. They're looking at me as if I'm have three, three heads and horns. And, and so that experience really taught me about the importance of not seeing people as residents or as seeing them as people who are going to follow the rules. These are humans. They're, they're students that go to the school, but they're also humans who go through life as well. And I started to realize that in order to lead people truly in a way that is authentic to me and that is genuine to me is to see them as humans and to embrace their humanity. I think sometimes we want people to live lives according to our rules, but in reality, everybody has their own lived experience and their own story. And that is experience really propelled me into police dispatching I was the voice in the, in the storm a lot of times for people during their darkest moments through some of their hardest moments. And that also put humanity at the forefront for me and realizing that these are not just callers, they're people. And it was also that experience that really taught me about the importance of humanity at work and putting that at the forefront because you have people who are helping people in life and death situations. And if we're not embracing our own humanity, we can't show up for others. And I left that job and realized that I really wanted to make an impact in the workplace so that people wanted to come to work. People felt seen, valued, and heard. And I ended up researching human resources and realizing that what I had experienced in previous workplaces was not what human resources actually is. Human resources is more than just the paper pusher or the, you know, the police, the policy police. It's actually a strategic business leadership role and partner. 
And so that's what propelled me into HR. That's awesome. It's great to hear, you know, how you really found humanity early on. And that's something that I think that, you know, unfortunately we don't understand at a younger age, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, how, how do you think we can help, you know, even maybe kids in school, like in, in their formative years and maybe even normative years, how do we help them figure that out? Do you have any ideas? I think we really have to help our children find the humanity in themselves first before they can see it in others. And I think sometimes we're so focused on following this plan. Sometimes we give children plans. Uh, I know for me, mine was you go to a good school, you get good grades, you go to college, you do this, 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 and this to be happy, to be successful. But we never tell our children, at least in the situations that I've seen, how to really care for themselves and what human, what being a human to ourselves looks like. And I think if we were to really focus on that with our children on, on success and happiness can be defined in many different ways and humanity should be at the forefront of what you're doing versus, you know, you're trying to get things from other people. I think that would really help our, our society understand why humanity is important. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I really liked about, um, you know, what you've said before in the past is the importance for us to not only recognize that humanity in ourselves, but to be more self-reflective and Mm self-aware, especially at a younger age, because I think that, you know, I, I was able, I feel lucky. I was able to go through that process myself to really reflect on myself very honestly when I was in college. And that allowed me to, um, I think, grow from that standpoint. And I know that you've shared that before in in other interviews where that self-reflection really helps you understand what you need to do, where you need to go. And that's what I see is missing in a lot of in situations of power or authority or uh, positions of power, I should say, in organizations is that they don't always have that humbleness and that ability to reflect. Can you share a little bit more about that importance and why it makes a difference in actually being more human at work? Yeah. So self-reflection is super important because it helps us to understand how we're interacting with the world and how that is affecting the relationships that we have. And so when we get into leadership, sometimes depending on how you were raised or your culture, you believe that leadership is telling people what to do. But at the end of the day, you have to know how people work, how people think, and how to really impact and influence people. And that means getting past what they do to who they are, and really understanding what it is that brings them to work every day, and what is important to them. And you can't do that if you don't even know what's important to you, or how you are coming into the world and affecting those relationships. So, you know, in order to be a a leader, you really have to understand yourself first before you can try to make an impact with others. What have you learned about yourself in the last few months, especially since you have been on this journey of of job seeking and, and really trying to find your place in the HR world? What have you found out about yourself um, that you may not have realized a year ago? Well, I've definitely found that I am somebody who has trouble speaking about my accomplishments in a way 
that makes sense in, in as far as like resumes and, and talking about myself, but that I don't have to be cemented into that, that type of learning or thinking pattern. Oftentimes I, I have felt that, oh, this is just the way that I am, or, you know, this is the way we are. We have to just keep on this path. But what I've learned is there's so much growth that can happen no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your life, you don't have to be cemented to one path, to one way of being, to one way of seeing things. As long as you open yourself up to the world of possibility, you can be as transformative as you want to be in your own life. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've personally really appreciated and enjoyed about your growth. I mean, we've only known each other a very short time, but just in these last few months of knowing you has been your willingness to dive in and just explore and grow. Um, whether that's, you know, like LinkedIn or clubhouse or whatever else it was. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, are you jumping in head first just because of your own curiosity and you're like, Hey, I just want to learn all I can about this. Or are you more the type to think about it, test out the waters before really diving in? Um, because whatever you get into, you really make it shine. So, you know, (laughs) I'm curious, like what, what your approach is when, when you're doing these things. I would honestly say that previously my answer probably would have been, I take my time. I really think about things and I, and then I decide if I want to do it. But what I realized is that life is not going to wait for you. And I also had to realize that part of quote unquote failing is growing and what really is failure. If you think about it, you know, everybody can define failure in their own way. But for me, I realized that I was defining it as what other people thought. And so now I'm like, I'm just going to do what sets my heart and soul on fire in the best possible way. And if it doesn't turn out, well, then now I can scratch that off my list and say, maybe that wasn't for me. But I realized I was holding myself back so much with thoughts and with the, the concern of, of other people that I wasn't living life for me. that's so powerful because when you think about you taking control of your own life and really being empowered to live your own life, it can really make a huge difference. And the thing that I would love to see organizations take a stance on is we are going to help our employees feel empowered in their own lives, not just at work, but in their own lives to really take charge and to actually make themselves all, you know, feel a lot better. And I know that you've spoken about this on your own podcast about the importance of finding your own purpose, your own mission and your values. I would, again, I would love to see companies either in maybe the candidate process or even in for their employees to like help individuals figure that piece out, especially in the candidate process. Mm-hmm. individuals may not have that defined. I think most people don't, but if you can help an individual in a candidate process, figure that out, not only will they be grateful to you as an organization being like, wow, like, yeah, you helped create clarity for me, but it would also help you align or find alignment with that organization that you're hiring for. So, I mean, I would just love to know, you know, that's like an idea I have, but like what, ideas do you have about transforming the employee experience or the candidate candidate experience? Well, I definitely agree. I think companies should be wondering about candidates' mission, vision, and values. Companies have them themselves, and those are the driving forces to keep them sustainable and productive. 
So why not have people also be cognizant and aware of that? So I definitely think that part of the candidate experience should be about learning these candidates' mission, vision, and values. And some people may say, well, we asked them why we want to, why they want to work here, but that there's a difference between wanting to work somewhere and really understanding why there's so much power in the question of why. And as far as transforming the workplace, I think we really have to get out of this notion that things are just the way they are and they're set in stone. We have to be open to being fluid, being uh, open to growth. You know, we talk a lot about the growth mindset in our personal development, but I don't see that talked a lot about in the company sense. We see a lot of companies who are still operating in this fixed mindset. This is the way we do things, or we can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And even sometimes the HR departments, well, you know, I don't think we can do that because it's something with policy, or I don't think we can do that because of this, but yet growth mind, uh, growth mindset on a company level would help companies understand where they're actually keeping themselves from growing and actually hindering the employee experience as well and helping them to understand the ways in which employees can grow and learn and, and it may not be in the traditional sense. It may be in a totally different new way, but it's still valid and it still can help. I I really hope that, you know, companies or anyone who's listening to this, like understands that, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and can get that. Um, having a growth mindset is not individualized. You can create a culture that has a growth mindset because again, that that leads to so many more outcomes and positive outcomes, especially around innovation that um, goes untapped. I mean, I don't know about you. Um, I've, I've personally dealt with a lot of those HR organizations <laughs> where like, mm, yeah, that's a good idea, but I don't know if we can actually do that. It's like, why? Like <laughs> there's, and they're like, well, this policy, I'm like, okay, well, why was that policy put in place? Like, that seems like an out of the blue policy. And it, it tended, it usually ended up being like, well, there was one incident one time <laughs> happened. And it's like, okay, well, was that, the, is that a rule or is that, was that incident like an exception? Um, and it's like, they're trying to manage all of these exceptions versus trying to create a, an actual culture uh, of, um, of growth and, and just expansiveness. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would, do you, have you come up against anything like that on your own? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I was a part of an organization where it was all about policy and procedure, and it was very driven by that. And you needed to know your policy and procedure almost to protect yourself because you wanted to be able to quote it. But I think we have to understand that policy and procedure should not be the end all be all, it should mostly be a framework, but even then we need to ask ourselves why, like you said, these policies are in place. Are we using these as a crutch to avoid the real issues that are at hand? Policies are basically band-aids over the root cause of a lot of issues in organizations. What are the steps beyond policy and procedure that are being taken to address why this is even in policy in the first place? And so I've definitely encountered those organizations where, like you said, it's like, well, that's, that might be against policy, but there's never a thought or an inclination to really push further into that and think, 
well, why is this even an issue in the first place? Why do we even have a policy about this in the first place? When we become so policy-driven that we can't see outside of that book or that e-resource, that's when we really start to stagnate our own growth. Yeah, and policy is just, it, it kills emotion. It stifles emotion. It um, You take empathy and compassion completely out of it which is that old school notion of like, right? Like don't bring your emotions to work, right? Don't bring Mm -hmm. your personal problems to work. But again, as we know, and I think I've heard you say, right? Like, you know, the, we have to have that personalization and that people piece come into the, into the workplace. And I'll share some praise from Tim Gould, who said, Angelica leads with empathy. Like myself, she came from a toxic environment and is on a mission to end workplace toxicity once and for all. Her writing is impeccable and you can f- just feel the empathy pour through from her posts. Angelica engages the rest of us in the HR community and brings out the best versions of ourselves. So thanks, wanna... Tim. <laughs> well, you know, when we talk about bringing out the best people you know, or the best in, in others, right? You know, that's what we really should do as leaders. And your voice is becoming, I think, very prominent in the HR space, even though this is something that may be newer for you. And I'm putting that in quotations because people can't see me. <laughs> Have you faced backlash for that when, you know, again, HR is typically seen as a compliance risk averse department. And why do you think it's important for individuals to voice their insights and, and opinions, no matter where they are in their career, even if they are early on? Yeah, I think we have this archetype of leadership and who is quote unquote a leader And we don't ever stop to wonder how that was put in place in the first place and who that's excluding. So generally, when we think of leaders, it's usually very masculine and very white dominated. And I think we really have to get away from that and be open and expand our mind to the fact that leadership can come in all shapes, forms, shades, and also seniority levels. What I found is that there is almost this this fear of somebody who is more junior coming in with ideas that may be better. But I think a sign of a true leader is someone who can say, you know what, that is a good idea. Let's support this and let's grow it instead of having again, that almost scarcity mindset of, well, you know, I didn't come up with that. I should have came up with that. Now that I haven't, I'm going to, you know, not put it in place. And so for me, I have come across backlash as far as being told to be careful what I say on LinkedIn and not being so vocal about what I think about HR. You know, I've had people say, well, um, you know, people might think, well, who is she to say what she's saying when she's never spent a day in HR? Well, yeah, maybe I haven't spent a a day in HR, but I've spent plenty of days in employee shoes. And I know what it feels like to look around and feel that you have nowhere to turn. Who am I supposed to be going to for help? Who is really here for me? And I also know what it's like to watch my family and my, and my family friends who, you know, I'm a Latina and we don't really talk about the access to HR and HR knowledge and watching them figure out these toxic workplaces or issues with management in, and struggle and stumble. And so I think for me, that's why I'm so passionate is because HR and and management and having a toxic free workplace should be for everyone, not just people who know the HR lingo and who have been in HR for X number of years. I think we can respect seniority and we can respect time and the ways that HR used to do things, 
but you can still respect something and want it to grow and evolve and change and, and to continue to evolve with the times. Evolving with the times, certainly. I mean, we um, tend to try to honor the past by trying to keep it the way it was, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see that in a lot of our country today where it's this conservatism and there's nothing wrong with that. There's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, while certain people like the good parts and that's what they want to keep, but they don't realize that it wasn't good for everyone. And mm-hmm. that representation and that inclusiveness and that equality is something that we're, we're all fighting for. Um, and I know that we had this conversation yesterday actually around representation and you brought it up as well around seeing um, different groups represented in HR. You know, we, there's very few people of color in HR. It's mostly, Mm -hmm. it's not even mostly, it's strongly dominated by white women. So it, it, it is very difficult for someone like yourself who is Latinx or someone who is like me, who is Chinese American or, you know, more broadly Asian American to go to HR to bring up issues because they just may not understand the issues that someone who look like you and me are going through, or they just may not um, feel comfortable going to that person because they do not look like us or do not uh, have a shared experience like us. So, Mm-hmm. Again, it's not just um, it's not just about creating programs like DEI programs. It's also about having the proper representation. So when issues do come up, people feel comfortable bringing them up in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think you know I've seen in like little graphics about HR being the the psychologist or you know the lawyer or other things like that and i think we really have to realize that if we're giving ourselves those unofficial titles are we prepared to handle what will be coming if you are saying you're an unofficial psychologist are you culturally competent to deal with some of the issues that occur in the workplace for people of color for black and brown people for asian people for you know, people who are neurodiverse, there's so many different things that go on in the workplace and representation does matter because I I can tell you that I've been met with, well, are you sure that really happened? And well, maybe you're just overreacting a little bit. And so, and this is from HR. And I think we really have to sit with ourselves in our responses to people and why we may be getting that title of HR is, you know, kind of seen as negative sometimes or not, doesn't have a great perception. And and that's why we have to be open to greater diversity at, at all levels of HR. Yeah. I don't know about you, but me personally, I've had a uh, situation in one workplace where a executive, a white male executive literally yelled at me in front of his employees and uh, for something to do with the employee experience. And then when I brought that to my boss, who was the head of HR, it got dismissed. And it was like, it's like, and I think it was from the standpoint of like, well, I don't think he would normally do this. It's like, but it like happened, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like I'm making this up. And so again, we, it's so important to understand that all of these nuances that happen within uh, between 
different people of different backgrounds between different experiences. It's so important. And there's so many nuances to DEI. And that's something that I think that we, that gets overlooked is like, we see DEI is like this one kind of blanket approach, but it's, it's so dynamic. We're learning so much. And again, the different groups and different ethnicities and the different identities that of people that we deal with, it's, it's so expansive and we can't always encapsulate that. And so it, you know, there's so much work to be done there um, in shifting that. I mean, what, what do you think that, you know, our next step should be when it comes to bringing a more inclusive environment into the workplace? So I think we really have to first understand that diversity, equity, and inclusion should not be just a department. It shouldn't be just one person. It should really be embedded into the organization's mission, its vision, its values. It should be pretty much baked into the organization from the start. And it's never too late to change that, but you ha- it starts from the top. And really, we need to be self-aware again, especially when leadership does look predominantly white in most corporations today, there is going to be a loss of power. And I think that that has to be something that is sat with and realized, are you ready to lose the power that you have been used to? And that's not to say you're going to be completely decommissioned. It just means that you're sharing the wealth with the people that you're working with. And in order to be inclusive, we really have to be aware of who's missing. We often have these conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, especially in the HR space, as far as, you know, what we can do. But what I've noticed is that a lot of the people that are going to be most affected by this are not even in the room. They're not even on, you know, the stages, if you're on clubhouse um, or panels, et cetera. Because again, like you said, HR is, I think, according to data that I looked at was like 88% white women. And while, you know, white women's lived experiences are valid as well, they don't share the same experience that you or I or other people may have had. And when we talk about being inclusive, that means being intentional and aware That means being aware that perhaps you are not uh, bringing in the people that are going to be most affected by this. Perhaps the people who need to be in this room to share their needs and their stories are not represented. And it means being intentional. So intentionally conversating with people who are not like you, intentionally bringing in people who generally don't go to these board meetings or super important leadership meetings. You know, we it's all about being intentional and aware in order to be inclusive. Yeah. That intentionality is so important. Um, especially when it comes to, I mean, I think when we think of intentionality too, we also have to think about the impact that, you know, the down the line impact that we're going to have, because Mm -hmm. I, you know, I could have all the intention in the world to have a more inclusive, diverse workplace, but the actual impact that gets carried out may be very different than the intention that I brought. So it's very important to, think about that all the way through as well. That's something I think that gets missed. Um, I wanted to share another piece of praise from Yvonne Alston, who shared with me, upon meeting her for the first time, Angelica's intelligence, compassion, and dedication to dismantling racism was evident. This is a woman who believes that everyone has value and should be able to showcase that in each areas of their lives. And she gives space to folks to do so. Angelica uses her voice in true advocacy and allyship of others while championing 
championing her own unapologetically authentic course. She is 100% someone you should have in your tribe. And that's absolutely something I can say for sure as well. Um, you have been a fantastic ally through uh, you know, everything that's been happening in the Asian American community in recent weeks. Um, and so I want to thank you for that personally. Um, you know, as we look at moving forward into what we have to do, there's just so much work. What would you say, you know, if you could have a magic wand and you could say, Hey, like, this is my ideal employee experience that I want to create. What would be like the top two things you would want to make sure that you had? I think we need to have better mental health support in the workplace and, it's more than just EAP and MHN talk about referring people there. It's about how, why does this person need this in the first place? Sure, people can have their own personal issues that may be stemming from even childhood. But when we simply write off people and tell them to go off to another space to get help, we're not taking a look at how we may be contributing to this negative employee experience. And, you know, oftentimes it's always, well, you know, okay, go talk to the EAP, go talk to the MHN, but we, we don't, again, self-reflection, we don't think, okay, is this something that's going on in this workplace that is leading people to have the need for this benefit? And, you know, another thing that I'm extremely passionate about is really putting the onus on companies to own employee experience instead of putting the blame on employees. So what I experienced was, you know, sometimes when employees would just up and leave on the same day, what you would hear is, well, they just couldn't cut it, or they just, we want people who want to be here. Yes, people, you want people who want to be there. But again, it's all about that powerful question of why, why do people not want to be here? And when we think about employee experience, we need to think about why we are doing things, whether it's programs, initiatives or strategies. And then we also need to think about the why of the impact. Like you said, it's a full employee life cycle. It doesn't stop at, you know, doesn't, you know, sometimes I feel like we are so focused on onboarding and kind of the middle, the honeymoon phase, but then we lose people. And then we forget about the offboarding as well. So we really have to really put that question of why, 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 why do people not want to be here? Why do people continually leave our organization? Why do people continually call out sick? And so that's the two things that I'm passionate about in the employee experience realm is really getting to the heart of the issues and supporting the hearts and minds and souls of employees. Well, I have to call that out again, just being appreciative of your work um, and want to thank you for that. Because again, we have to, um, we have to take responsibility for these things that are happening right? Mm -hmm. Your turn, your turnover numbers, or you, uh, you know, again, like you said, with mental health, um, employees utilizing them, we have to take responsibility for our employees, right? I almost want to, I mean, I like to use the analogy, it may or may not be appropriate, but like, they're like our kids, right? You can't just dismiss them. You can't just say, Hey, you have a problem. Okay, go, here's something, go take care of it. Or, Hey, oh, you don't like to be here? Okay, then don't be here. Like you can't use that language. Like it's just so dismissive. It's so uncompassionate and just honestly just rude. I mean, it's just so, I don't know any other way to say that. So we have to focus on bringing 
those emotions and that responsibility back into our employees or for leaders to care about their employees. So it's, it's really important to think about. Um, mm-hmm. As we look at, you know, as we start wrapping up, what is the impact that you want to have on others that you lead? I want everybody that I come into contact with to feel seen, valued, and heard. And that is something that is super important to me as a leader, whether that's in title or just being me, because I know what it's like to not feel seen. I know what it's like to not feel heard. And I know what it's like to feel not valued and really question, why am I here? Why do I continue to show up to a place that really doesn't see me, doesn't hear me and doesn't value me? And I don't want that experience for anyone else. And so I want people to leave my presence, even if it's a conversation that may be difficult. I may not always be able to tell people what they want to hear. And that often happened in police dispatching. Sometimes you have to tell somebody no. Sometimes you have to tell someone something that is not what they wanted to hear. But I always want to do it with empathy and with love. And sure, some people maybe say that's a little fluffy. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that our employees can be our advocates or they can be our antagonists, whether they're in our organizations or not. Employees have voices. Whether they leave the organization, they can tell other people about their experiences, whether that's on Glassdoor, on Indeed. We often forget that just because somebody leaves an organization does not mean that their impact is done on the organization. So that's why I'm so passionate about treating people as the whole human with love and empathy, even in hard times, because as we know, karma can come around and it's always good to have good karma and be a good human. Love that. Absolutely love that. I want to leave you with one last little bit of praise from your co-host, Tiffany, (laughs) who said, Angelica is empathetic to the needs of others to be able to best support them. She is creative in her approach and models people first leadership. So people feel safe to be authentic at work. So again, Angelica, thank you so much for providing that space for others. What would you like our listeners to do next? I want our, your listeners to really sit with themselves and reflect and think about the type of leaders that they want to be and to not be hard on themselves. If you feel like there were areas of your leadership that you could have done better, take note of that. There's always time to change it and turn it around for your people. And if you need help or you want to connect, I'm always happy to connect, but really I just want people to do that self-reflection and continue to show up for their employees. Wonderful. Well, take that time to reflect, take a moment to think about things um, and make, again, make sure you're connecting with Angelica. Angelica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great talking to you and I know I'll be talking to you again very soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Leading People First podcast. I love Angelica's mindset of being open to possibilities and love of people to help them grow and transform. No matter where we are in our journeys, we can always make an impact of growth. If you liked this episode, click that subscribe button and hit share to send it to someone who needs to hear Angelica's story. Let's keep this conversation going by telling me what you learned or loved from this episode on LinkedIn or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.